Hello, everybody, and welcome to Clutch or Kick episode three. And we've got some guests rotating in and out. We've got Golden Boy out because he's a bit of a boomer. We don't really like him that much. We've got Johnny <laughs> back, you know, changing out. And of course, we've got Pansy who's joining us as well. Recently commentated the Immortals First Light. Thanks for joining us, Pansy. Appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. Good to be here. Yeah, there's a variety That's of stuff to talk about as well. the most official you've ever sounded, Bren. Uh, it's I actually yeah I'm a little bit nervous when we get like these new guests in because I, I feel like oh do I have to do I have to shape up a little bit with the <laughs> intro <Yourself. laughs> absolutely not just be yourself <laughs> Bren uh, I, yeah it could be could be just the I've had a very productive day today and it gets my mind in that kind of area you know nice it's easy it's easy to be loose when I've only got one thing to do all day but uh, it's been non-stop um, but we'll dive straight into it, I guess. The Ranked has finally been announced by uh, Riot Ziggler. I don't even know how to pronounce his name. Um, but That'll he said do. that they're I'm finally sure bringing it out next week. <laughs> what was that? Thank fuck for that. Yeah. I mean, I was just mocking your pronunciation of the Riot guy's name, but I don't know what any of them are called. <laughs> I'm calling them all sorts of shit over the past couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, thank fuck <laughs> for Ranked being back. Playing unrated is like, it, it's, it's devastating for my mental. I, I can't handle it. We we are either playing with good players and just getting rolled to pieces, or or playing against clowns, and there seems to be no in between. Yeah, I think yeah. it's yeah. worse if you solo queue though, because that's what the first thing that I found. Even when they just released the uh, the game, when they finally released it, and I was playing unrated games late at night. You get these games where the the distribution of MMR, there's no upper or lower limits. They just chuck in whoever. <laughs> against whoever and what you end up with is you, you end up with one guy who's dropping 40 bombs against the other guy who's dropping 40 bombs with four iron players in most of the times <laughs> at least that's that's what i find it's like but yeah about time but it sounds like they're, they're going to be coming in with some changes as well a lot of people weren't happy with it uh thinking back to the espn poll that they did where they asked a bunch of pro players um what they wanted out of it a lot of them wanted a solo or duo queue do you, do you think that that's even necessary in valorant Oh, man, I, I mean, it's it always sucks to go against like the communities, you know, the, the, the community and everyone's going to want everything they can get, right? I don't think there's a huge problem in putting it out there. But also the game's not meant to be played in like a solo queue aspect, in my mind, at least when you come to like competitive FPS games, I think it's a bit weird to kind of encourage solo queue as such. Um, I honestly, I couldn't care less. I just think people, you know, they want something and they don't realize the downsides and then you're going to have like longer wait queues. And again, like if people didn't like the ranking system initially and the MMR is even kind of harsher split and you can't queue with your mates anymore and you're going to be in a longer queue time, you're going to be in a solo queue only against other solo queued players. It's going to, it does, it, it, there's certainly downsides. I honestly couldn't care less. I play with the same four people, you know, like five or six people. For me, it makes absolutely no ends. I don't want to solo queue Valorant, if I'm honest, or any other FPS game, it's it's a meme in CSGO for a reason. You know what I mean? Like it's it's an absolute shit show normally. It's just like the worst kind of people just crammed together in, you know, a, a box. So <laughs> I don't care that much, honestly. I, I'm just happy that ranked is coming back because as you said, it's just been like a clown fiesta for the last couple of days. And I, I honestly I've never had that much time to play, but it's been pretty atrocious. So I, I'll just be happy to have ranked back. I don't, I honestly couldn't care less about solo or duo queue. Do you feel like um, this is a question to everyone do you feel like perhaps the ranked experience in valorant is very like compressed where it's like a very small spectrum to say overwatch where we have like 5000 sr and you win like what like yep, 20 yep, yep. if you win it feels like in valorant when i play it in a way in the beta you don't really have that you know you don't really have that understanding of where you are in your rank like how many mm -hmm. games do i have to win to be promoted how many games do i have to lose to be demoted um and i also felt like 
the player skill level was very compressed in that I could be way better than someone who's maybe, uh, you know, just like two ranks below me. And similarly, they could even be like bad people above me. Um, mm. it, it felt like it felt like it wasn't really fleshed out yet. And I understand that comes from the game being pretty young in that, you know, we haven't really seen the top players really evolve to that level where they use their abilities correctly and they separate themselves from the guy who relies on aim. Um, you know, we'll get to the meta conversation later. Uh, but it does feel like the game just needs more time and maybe we need to increase the spectrum a bit in where we place players so that yeah. there's more separation between ranks. Well, that's I think that's the justification why why they didn't bring ranked out immediately because they based the initial placements off of unranked MMR. So that's You can actually tell that the unrated MMR is, is doing its job already, though. And we were playing some games with uh, Gangster from Immortals. I, and I... I uh, uh, well, yeah, we got absolutely dominated. Like, <laughs> because <laughs> the people that we're playing against are somewhere between our MMR, which is probably somewhere in like Diamond, and then his MMR, which is like right up at the top. And, and the, the the people that we're playing against are just dominating us because he's the only player that was good. So the, there is some component of that hidden MMR system. I think that they just made the K value really big. Like, you know how ELO is determined? And you can like change the K value to determine how big the the jumps are like you can yeah. if you win a game you might get a shit ton of elo it just seemed like it was really quick to level up and level down but i think you yeah. need that in a beta because it's only out for like i don't know how long how long was it even there it was yeah, like three weeks it's a short right? form right they, they don't yeah. have much time to collect information so, yeah, can you imagine if it took forever to rank up and like, <laughs> you're playing your games and no one ever gets the highest rank because they just couldn't they just because you couldn't get that much elo within the frame of time that it was open yeah, I mean, for for me especially, it's like I played the I think it's like they called it like the friends and family thing, you know, where it was like closed side of things, and then it went open. Like I played through that, you know, played a couple of games, played into ranked, and honestly, for me, I I just got bored already. It's like you hit the rank you hit, and there, there was nothing else to go for. I think especially towards the top end, they need to create uh, more to aim for. Not having a visible like MMR elo sort of thing is yeah. kind of boring, especially. Yeah. And, and again, this is early days, so I feel like. I feel a bit stupid or a little bit harsh kind of being this critical because honestly, compared to most games on release, they had more than like other products of a similar caliber. I mean, CSGO didn't have it for a long old time, you know, to the similar format, but it does need to be better than it is. It seems yeah. so basic. I, you know, I want to almost like, I think I was discussing this a while back and, you know, Fortnite apparently has, you know, the in-client tournaments. I want there to be like an in-client ladder system properly not just you know here's your rank have fun if you play with you know the same let's say seven players that you've you know allotted to a roster you can then climb up a ladder for yeah, that would be sick for that you know what i mean yeah. like that would be like, like like almost like a clan base thing or you know whatever you played on back in the day whereas like you get your buddies on and you try and grind the ladder up that to me would be so much more fun than just you know queuing randomly and okay well i'm with my my buddies and that's it right like that's it, it didn't feel that good to me and honestly the the skill disparity was was pretty harsh. I think that I, you could tell when you were, especially in like a puggy game, right? If you were in like a natural like matchup, then that's a little bit different. You're playing like the private gathers, then, you know, leave that where it is. But you could tell the disparity pretty quickly between someone who's played like a Counter-Strike style game, who's got the fundamentals down, even at the same, like let's say, you know, rank as you, and then someone who doesn't. It's not, I don't care about your scoreboard. I care about how you approach a round. And you could instantly tell the people who don't know what a default is or an a hit or a site hit or you know how to use the utility correctly it's just like it's it was a bit of a struggle I, and, and it's not gonna be easy i mean you know it's, it's hard to get a good system down but i i hope it's like a work in progress and they don't just go 
enjoy your ranks, boys. Have fun. Get yeah. some more skins, you know? Yeah. A leaderboard would be amazing, I think, for like solo oh, yeah. at the top level. And then yeah. I, I, I totally agree with your idea of like an in-game in tournament system or like a five-stack ladder that just gives your team like some kind of elo. Those are amazing things for being able to scout people as well. And like, I guess what the people at the top really want is some way of determining what, like who is actually good. Like you need some yeah. measure of of your your worth. That's the whole point of investing that many hours. You want to be told that you're good, or at least be able to you know showcase that you're good. So yeah, I, I think it's a different way to go. To go with that, I also kind of miss like a profile kind of thing that we have in Overwatch, where you can see where what what heroes people play. Mm. So you can sort of yeah. fill based on that information. And also, it would be cool to see people's peak rank because I think that adds so much more respect yeah. to your teammates. Like when you queue up with people, whether you're solo queuing or you're playing in a party, um, because it is a team game and it is very much based around abilities. Mm -hmm. And so having that information to be able to play to your team strength, I think is very important for when you actually queue up for ranked and yeah. try to get the best experience. It is super weird having your friends on the side on the right and being like, I've no idea what rank you are, actually. I can't like right click yeah. on your name and see what rank you are. Can you play with me? I'll invite you to a party. Oh, no, shit. Yeah, bronze two, get out. It's also, if, if Josh has a super low win rate on Reyna, I want to see that so I know what I'm getting. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, my Reyna win rate is absolutely atrocious. I've been... <laughs> I've been horrifically burnt by Leah so many times, I'm convinced it's the most OP shit in the world. So I just throw it out and expect it to gift me kills. And I just run in and die every single time. <laughs> I don't know how you can't make it work in just like random games. Like I honestly think like high end games, Rainer is, I, I, I want to be proven wrong. I just think she's a one trick pony with the Leah. Everything else is useless. I mean, yeah. people are just sitting on ults constantly. There was maybe a discussion to be had about her ability to reposition with an operator, but would I put her above Jet in that aspect? No. So it's like, literally the Leah is OP as hell. That probably will get nerfed regardless, but it's 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 a pub stomper for sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, you should be getting that, that nice high elo off your uh, Reina games. I think you're hitting the nail on the head though, Josh. I think the main complaint is that people want a uh, system that can prove who the best is for scouting purposes, right? Like an, an idea of actual true path to pro, if you will, where you can play the system and grind it out and get good at it until you become, uh, basically you're in the spotlight and people can pick you up. Um, and the current system, at least what they had in beta, wasn't that because it's, it's essentially a copy of the CS:GO system, which is pretty shit if we think about it. It's like yeah. it, it's yeah, the it is. Uh, it's slightly better because the CS:GO system. Every time I go to play CS:GO, every three months I get decayed down about five ranks. But the, yeah. the uh, oh, I'm silver again. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm silver. Cool. But the uh, yeah, it's they've said that they're actively working on it, so we just got to wait until to see what they're going to release. You know, it seems like they've taken on board a lot of feedback. Like I said, the ESPN poll came out. They, they seem, from what I've seen of dev interviews, they seem pretty set on not doing like a solo duo queue um, separately. Yeah. They, they, they're very much of the idea that, I think all of us here, I don't want to put words in people's mouths, but that the idea is it's a team-based game. It's a team-based tactical shooter, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I, I do think it's a... And again, this, this kind of shatters the illusion that people grind for, right? But it's like people in CSGO thought, oh, well, once I hit global, I'm going to understand high level games or oh, once i start playing face it I'll, I'll i'll be closer to you know getting towards you know get right or can whoever like whoever you are, you're looking up to and you're still so far away again it's like you can create these in-game systems to prove that you can grind a game and frag out individually but does that work in a collective no like half the time these kids never get picked up i mean 
we're seeing a lot of those younger generations kind of switch over who did well in CSGO, got, you know, high-end in ESEA, FPL, all of these, like, solo queue ladders, and then when they tried to slot into a team, didn't work. I mean, I, and I think the big example or an easy one to go to would be Tens. He got picked up by the big org after being this kind of, like, you know, kid who grinded like mad, got picked up and didn't gel with the team, didn't gel with the roster, maybe just wasn't quite there yet on that same sort of level. And like the jump up from being just, you know, an individual fragger, you know, being able to really play your class well, doesn't mean you're going to be good for a team in any environment. I mean, I, I think that's going to be a bit of a difference. I think it's going to be a learning curve and it'll take time for some of these people to catch up, especially like, how do I be a good teammate beyond I can get a couple of frags, but you know, do yeah. those frags win your rounds, right? It's like, it's, it's, we're, I'd say in the last maybe year or two, you're seeing some of those players actually get taken seriously in CSGO. The ones who kind of made it through the FPLs, made it through these kind of like private site own, you know, like the private games that go on on the side. And that took years for them to even be like, you know, considered, right? So it's like, I think it's a nice idea. Will it mean you're going to be the next big pro? No, but I'm sure people will believe that anyway and grind it. So why yeah. not give them something to focus on, right? I think people like to look at the uh, outliers as well. Like, correct me if I'm wrong here, Pansy, but I think like Zaiwu just fucking shit yeah. on everyone in FPL exactly. forever until he was picked up. And then it was a bit of a surprise, honestly, that he still did it at the pro level. So That's he's maybe like the outlier that proves the rule that you don't normally do it. That's it, right? It's like everyone goes, it's the exception, not the rule. I mean, then you look at Simple, who's arguably one of the best in the world, right? You could put him up there with anyone else. And I think that's a really fair assessment. But did he have an attitude problem for a while? Was he overlooked for a while? Was he seen as this you know, individual player for a while? Yes. You know, he was not the Insta CIS roster pick. And eventually he probably had to adjust the attitude, kind of learn how to play in a collective and play in a team. And, you know, again, he is the exception to the rule, which is great. Maybe, maybe this will create some of that. But I think, you know, the wishful optimism of, well, I hit global in, in CSGO. Why, why am I not being taken seriously um, on HLTV? I don't understand. You know what I mean? It's like... <laughs> there's still a big disparity as to what it makes or what it takes to be in like a high tier element, but it's not a bad way to give people a route, right? Like, yeah, yeah. again, I, I just think that if we see face it's ESEA's third party sites picking up this, it'll probably take over the in-game queue regardless. So we'll see. Well, that's another question as well is will Riot even let them make a third party system? Because yeah, face yeah. it have tried, right? But the issue is it's all self-moderated. It's not automatic Correct. as far as I'm aware. So um it's don't the league of legends have this like challenger kind of queue that is strictly for like challenger or is that just a separate rank like couldn't you just implement like a separate ranked so it's like you know i took a lot of ubers and i got like uber diamond and i like unlocked <laughs> a special <laughs> you know let me go with this analogy let me go holy with this. shit all right and you unlock this kind of like separate thing where you can like get preferred riders or whatever but similarly in valorant say like you reach <laughs> that... shut up Shut up, Josh! Quiet! Silence! <laughs> I'm talking. So, like, you reach the Valorant rank, and you get, like, a separate queue within the game. And essentially, you can only queue with other Valorant people, and you get, like, the typical tooltips where it's like, hey, this queue is probably going to take a bit longer for you to actually find teammates, because it's a very, like, narrowed-down queue, and we emphasize on quality games. Couldn't you just do that within the client itself? Or do you really need sure. like third party, like face yeah. it and ESEA to step in? I, I think mean, the if issue... it, if the game provides the tools, right? You get your pick and ban phase. You get people strictly moderating it, like kicking people out if they are like you. I mean, like how, how long do you let people play in there? Someone's going to lose a game, obviously, but how many losses do you allow that to happen? And True. I mean, it's, I think it's player moderated in the highest levels of Counter-Strike, if I'm not mistaken. And it's like a yeah, single so too, yeah. turnover. Yeah. 
So they'll go, oh, actually, this player, you know, his comms weren't that good. His attitude wasn't right. Oh, this guy's got, you know, he's got potential, but maybe not this season, maybe next season. How do you do that automatically, right? How can you tell how valuable a player is to a team? You know, they, as I said, they can frag out, but are they, have they got the most garbage attitude in the world that no one wants to be in a team with, right? It's like, how do you make that happen without having yeah. a, a player having invested interest, right? How do you have it without like a, I guess, like a commissioner almost style approach? But I don't know. I, yeah. I'd like the idea of like a separate rank. You know, hit the top and then you can only play within that rank or something else. There's got to be like a more of a chase there, right? I feel yeah. like a lot of people point towards the League of Legends system as something that's done really well. But I think the the a large difference between League and Valorant is that you can't just frag out in League. Like, you can't just yeah. be an all-aim-no-brain player. You have to have some... You have to have the game sense and the ability to work with your team just to reach that level. Because there is no... I mean, I mean, the, there are mechanics with trick. certain... Yeah, I mean... You're but, also yeah, uh, forgetting how that how far can your mechanics roles. take you? set roles in league as well outside of that yeah, like how yeah, do you do true. set roles in in valorant there's a lot of true. a lot of variables yeah. you got to overcome right a lot of stuff you got to overcome let's shift the conversation over to uh what we've been seeing in the pro level regarding a meta because we've seen so i remember the, the last time we recorded this was talking about sage as a character uh, Don't even believe me. That. okay but i i said uh, that we might start to see a lot less sage did you I think I did. He did in the I, first episode, and then the second episode, he said that he quite liked Sage, and now we're in the third episode. Yeah, and now I've yeah, changed yeah. my mind a little bit, but not. I'm not entirely convinced, Josh. I know you've been the biggest advocate for, for not running Sage comps, anyway. No, 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 no. I just said that some people would start to do it. I, I heard you coached like... the, uh, the team that ran it as well. I coached Mixup. Yeah, that's yeah. how they were nearly able to beat Cloud9. Yeah, I'm, I'm a legend. Don't worry about it. Uh, yeah, it, I, I, I thought that the uh, the pick rate would drop to like within the 90 percent instead of being 100 percent. i think there was one team in europe that didn't run it and then we saw in the cloud nine mix-up game a couple of teams trying it and i was talking to the immortals coaches as well and they said that a few teams have actually been trying this where they run triple duelist and then yeah. a smoker and a cypher and, and try and try and kind of run with that uh, with the idea i guess just being that you you, you overwhelm you play at a faster pace I don't think that'll work. As long as Sage is the only one that has a heal, you, how are you going to get away with that? Because it's so valuable having a character that every 45 seconds, Josh, can just top somebody up to 100 health. It's not the fucking heal, health. man. It's not the heal. It's the slow. It's the wall. But they, they I mean, keep nerfing one, the slow. They keep nerfing the wall. The wall is pretty much useless, I think, at this point. I'm not even joking. No, like, no, no, it takes a full no. clip to break. I, I still think it's pretty bad. Like, especially with, reload. Like, you can't kill the wall. With, kill with the amount that players have now picking raise as well, like on top of that where raise is going up and up and up in the pick rate and a satchel is so good at taking out the wall i think the wall becomes less of a component just in general the, the decay rate the health projections every nerf that's been put into place they keep nerfing her slows as well she's becoming less and less effective at anchoring she's still the best i think you know outside of maybe cypher at like anchoring a site but the heal is the thing that will always keep her in contention because she's one of the only characters that, su that supplies it to anyone. If you you'd win out a trade jewel and they're on like 20 health, okay, top them up. Now the chances of winning the next aim jewel go up so much. I mean, she also has a res, which is obscene in a game like this. Like, can we just for a second consider that? It's like... We have she... mercy. We know. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're right, you're right. I mean, um, I don't know, like... I don't mind the idea of it, particularly if there's a matchup you feel you can get away with it, you can drop her. But I think it's, I think it's unnecessary to drop her. Honestly, I mean, her utility kit is still very, very viable 
every single piece of her utility kit is good. It may not be as OP as it was, but it's still good. Her res is sick as well. I mean, I, I don't see why you'd start running without it. And I think we saw it, especially in the tournaments recently that were running without it. They just didn't have kind of the mid-round... I, I want to say control or the kind of like you get that little bit of a buffer if you don't kind of hit those instant contact plays or those pieces we saw you know people starting to run comps with limited amounts of smoke as well they're just kind of like going all in on kind of more no dps brim. style yeah exactly just like running and again if you are in a in a game where you are just out fragging them sure but i promise you eventually you're going to hit an even skilled team and you will lose because of that you won't have those executes you won't have the ability to kind of you know hold you know, after plant situations, you won't be able to get that res to get that one man advantage to be able to trade in easily. It's 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 too valuable to run without for now. I've liked seeing Ross's change up. I like seeing Omen. I like seeing Viper. I like seeing you know, a little bit more of those agents. I think they are incredibly viable. Dropping Sage for them is dumb as fuck, and you should look. <laughs> like, there it is. There. It I don't. Is. I don't like that. I really don't like it. Yeah. I I think Sage is still very much strong, but I feel like you know she now finally has a purpose whereas before you sort of like no brain kind of picked sage all the time because she mm -hmm. was so strong but now you have to actually like think about how you use her abilities and how you position and i think the biggest shift we've seen in that regard is how some teams now run sage on a because it's a tighter choke and you get more value from your Wait, what map you what map? split sorry oh right i don't know why i didn't split, say the map split yeah, the screen. A, <laughs> yeah a, a yeah. on split um, so instead of running mid, because the mid area is now so open on split, so it's harder yep. to get value from your wall and your slow. So some teams instead, they utilize Sage on the uh, A side, so you cannot get through that choke as easily. So that at least showcases that Sage is still very much strong, where like in those tight choke points. And I still think yeah. we'll see a lot of use in that regard, but now you actually need a purpose behind your Sage pick in a way that I don't think we've seen in the beta so far. But for example, on A bind, you still very much can execute with a Sage wall to spread off the site, and then mm -hmm. you can get value from the slow. So you have to be way more uh, precise where you're using your yeah. Sage and how you throw down your abilities. I thought it was pretty interesting watching this C9 versus Mixup game when they were playing on Bind, actually, because to, for starters, it strikes me as one of the maps where you can get away with the Sage the, on defense the most, because you don't normally run the Sage on point A, and on point B, it's not like Sage can lock down an area. It's not like... On, on Split or on Haven, where she just straight up hardcore locks down like uh, Haven C, for example, if you play her over there or uh, wall, walls off mid or something like that. You normally play her in a bit more of like using the slow and then the wall is uh, saved and she plays with the Cypher on A quite a bit or maybe to wall showers. But but the problem is with these default executes on A. Like everyone and their mum knows how to do an, a default execute on A now on Bind yeah. with the Sage. And the, you, you get the little, the, the little Timmy who you've, Try to blackmail into playing Sage on your team, and you're like, all right, all right, son, you only need to know one thing. You run in, you ignore the gunfire, and by <laughs> God, you are going to put that wall, wall down. And yeah. if you die for it, I don't give a fuck. And they, they instead had to put so many, uh, so many smokes, and I feel like it's so easily countered by just more aggression. I do want to highlight as well that get. Mm, it is just us. No, I do just want to highlight that game is, is just you look at the scoreboard at the end of that game because that was not anything to do with good composition picks that was to do with tens dropping oh, yeah. I think, okay. like 30 yeah. 40 I, kills i, I want to so talk you know what in... no tens... you're interrupting pansy let her speak eat your pizza um <laughs> you can't turn pizza. up on time you can shut up no um i mean like that that game composition wise was garbage if i'm honest like i 
didn't like the picks for it. I think it got allowed to do what it did, especially on the attacking side, because 10s went off. And you can't yeah, yeah. always depend on a player dropping 30, 40 kills. But 10s is good enough that he can do pretty well at that. But it shouldn't mean you think that composition is correct. I think you had to, they had to overwork. I mean, they, they put 10s you know, up on a plateau. And luckily for them, he was able to get to it. But when we went to maps where you can't be as individually powerful, I think it was split, split. it went on to, yeah. and he struggled to make the same level of impact. You can see the lack of composition potentially being a problem. So it's like, again, like just pick Sage. Don't pick Phoenix. Phoenix is shit. There's so uh, I pick a better character. I mean, pick a better agent. Do something else. Like I, I really don't like Phoenix as a pick in that. Like there's so many weird picks, and I don't know. I think people are just kind of going with what they think works, and still some sort of preference picks over what works for like the meta. Yeah. yeah. So but, this sort of leads us to our next topic. Do you want to move on, or do you have a point, Brian? I was going to move into your next topic, Johnny. Yeah, there you go. Well, he's so well trained, our little so. host. <laughs> I was going to move into your next topic. I was about to what say. What are we eating today, Bren? What I was about eating? to say, what am I eating? I'm eating a pizza um, with just some vegetables and ham on it. Uh, it's got like pineapple, some uh, some sun-dried tomatoes. I don't believe in that in this whole <laughs> argument where people go on about pineapple pizza uh, and they take sides. It's okay. You don't believe in the argument? Yeah, I think you the argument fucking, is you like... You have a Hawaiian sat in front of you. you. You said that it was a pizza with vegetables, and yeah. then you added ham. And what you've actually got in front of you is a literal just the definition of a Hawaiian pizza. You've just yeah. got a ham and pineapple it actually, pizza. Actually, it has, technically has no vegetables because the tomato is a fruit. <laughs> true, so true. <laughs> it actually oh has no Lord. vegetables at all. But, but yeah, I think people who... Just to sidetrack us for a little bit. I, I think people who come up with the argument about pineapple on pizza, and they stand, they stand so firmly on one side or the other... Just people with no personality. They use it as like a little filler for like a personality. They take a side in the argument. Um, a bit like religion, but we're not going to dive into that. Let's talk about the meta. <laughs> what, the, what are you going? Let's, let's, uh, let's talk about... Yeah, I got to go. I got to yeah, leave. Let's, let's, talk, go about, let's talk about the meta. Um, I'm going to be in trouble. How will, I, so, so there's an argument to be made that there was a meta and it's developing. But I think what we're seeing more often these days is that teams are just finding a style that suits their individual players a lot more. So we're, what we were originally seeing was like teams focusing a lot on like, how can they play as a team together with the Brimstone, the Breach, the Sage, the Cypher, and uh, what would be filling that? Just Sova, uh, did you mention? Yeah, Sova or, or anything else essentially, just a filler character. We've shifted away from that and it's more moving towards, uh, I suppose, filling into the strengths of the players you've got on the team and playing a more puggy style. Because if you play a hard and fast style, that suits your strengths, you're going to dismantle the team that tries to play to the so-called meta because they're just not disciplined enough to play a meta, I think, right now. Yeah. Uh, initially, so, at least. I don't know if you guys I agree a, with me. I got a bit of a follow-up to that, or just to add to that, where I was watching Hip 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 play... Uh, it was... I think it was... I, I hate their name, by the way, because I always want to say hooray at the end of it. <laughs> so it doesn't oh, make my, any uh, sense. Oh Well, you know, that's your problem, not mine. But I was watching this map on Split, and it felt like hip hip hip. They were playing this triple duelist. Shut up, Josh. They were playing this triple duelist composition and just literally running in on B. And they were just like steamrolling in on B every round almost, it felt like. And I was watching that, and a part of me was just like, is this what Valorant is about? So I wanted this to be like more of a broader discussion about where we want to see this game really go when it comes down to the meta. Do we want to strictly see more engages or do are we appreciating like triple dualist compositions? 
do we want to separate ourselves from Counter-Strike as we know it? Or do we appreciate st basic stuff like swinging or like aim duels and like a bit of a puggy style? Where do we want to see the meta develop and where the game should go? I don't personally think that the game should tend towards uh, towards just five-man rushes on a bomb site. I think that's the most boring way that the meta could possibly develop for a game like uh, the, a game like this. I think you want to incentivize things that are more um, uh, and maybe a little slower and a bit more spread out, which is why I haven't really bothered, uh, been too bothered about Sage being like a hard anchor for a site because she does something to stop this five-man rush because the maps are designed like a single choke point anyway and some of the most boring rounds for me are when the 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 team just attacks and just runs in they trade a couple of kills and then there's, there's a retake position it feels very formulaic i like the i like watching rounds that are more to do with defaults and prodding out areas and trying to the defenders are trying to figure out where on the map the attackers are so that that's my only really thought real thought for like if the developers should have any active balancing towards or away from a certain playstyle. I think that if it got too, too... I mean, people enjoy things being fast-paced, but if it got too fast-paced to the point where you could just overwhelm any site by rushing into it, I think that would be a bad place for the game to be. Yeah, I, I think as any game goes, I think you see ebb and flows of meta. Uh, my mind goes to CS because it's the easiest example in this regard, at least. You'll see kind of, you know, super strategic approaches where it's, you know, incredibly drilled, incredibly... Um, set piece based, you know, let's look at, I don't know, Astralis as an example of that. And then, you know, their biggest counter they always struggled with, regardless of if they were a good team or not, was any French squad because they played this very loose, puggy aim style that can dismantle a kind of set piece um, approaching team that plays maybe not to the meta, you know, to their own standard. I mean, Astralis were always the better team. You could debate, I guess, but you'd be wrong um, than any <laughs> uh, of the French teams that were currently, you know, challenging them. But I, I assure you, all the times Astralis randomly lost was to that because I remember speaking to the players about it at the time they're like we, we we play what's meant to be right and they just still somehow shoot us and it's ridiculous i think we're seeing kind of the turn of events that happens in a lot of these games and it was mixwell at the end of one of the tournaments they won i don't know if it was like a i think it was one of the recent ones they just beat out the fish one two three roster when they had artists <laughs> playing <laughs> with scream and mixwell and mixwell said well right now we can play puggy because people don't punish us one, because the highest end level players right now are all aim gods. I mean, you've literally got in yeah. Europe like Scream, Scream and Mixwell who are phenomenal. I mean, they're, they're literally nuts. Like, of course they can play to that strength. And even the most like, you know, regimented team, let's say Fish123 at the time, even though with on screen as a stand-in, you know, they're playing a pretty a normal approach to the game. But are you going to be able to win your fight against Scream that you should do, even though you've put down all your utility correctly? They could do late in the round 20 second hits and Scream's still going to bang two headies and he's in. So it's like, it's it's a it's a big mismatch still. I think, you know, one skill disparity is a real thing towards the high end of these scenes and, and the teams out there currently when it comes to strategic approach and when it comes to kind of aim style and aim heavy um, approach. And honestly, I, I don't think we'll see a meta for a while. I think we've got, you know, a composition favor that seems to work best on, you know, a generic basis. And I'm glad to see teams experimenting, but I don't think we know the actual meta yet because this disparity between teams is too high. The amount of times I've seen yeah. Prodigy, aka that Mixwell squad, beating Fish 1, 2, 3, you know, so easily, just walking through them. And then, the, you know, Fish 1, 2, 3, smashing everyone else in a completely different play style. It's like, well where's the where what level are we at here uh our scream team really the best we're gonna see it, it flat out in europe right now that's literally a puggy mix of like swedish cs players and a, a, you know a, a couple of puggers is that is that it i mean i think 
I hope we don't see those kind of like just five man stack rush sites. I think the utility is there to slow them down and hinder them. I think also then you've got to look at what was the other team doing where they couldn't feel out a five man hit and were they using their utility correctly? Were they, you know, only soloing a site with Cypher? And right now Cypher has a lot of counters. As much as people think Raze is a counter to Sage, uh, Raze is a huge counter to, to Cypher and yeah. any solo site player. So if you, right now what I'm seeing is a lot of the skilled individuals being on Raze as well, like your tens, like your, you know, anyone who can like individually frag out, they'll pick up yeah. Sage or, or Raze. And it's like, pound for pound the aim is going to probably win that out if they can dismantle the utility so people have to get creative again it's it's going to be that kind of changing factor i just think i don't think it's going to be this kind of five man hit site just rush go for it and hope for the best i think that you have to look at the teams who can't handle that yet and you might need to see teams switch the way they play the game more you know defensive aggression pushing out for information trying to you know work on the extremities of the map again it's i, I think it's too early to tell if i'm honest yeah this happened it's been good with... so far though uh, this happens with every new esports game. I think that develops though is that you end up seeing when an esports scene develops the this kind of fast and loose individual play style. It's a little bit more apparent as well in a game like Valorant because an individual can really just hard carry. Like you look at Tens uh, from his performance, right? Um, but as time goes on, I, I do believe just on the, the the very nature of this game having these so many different uh, abilities and uh, pieces of utility that are so different to CS that eventually you will see teams kind of learn. Sorry, excuse me. I feel like saliva because I'm eating during a podcast. The, uh, you'll you'll <laughs> learn. You'll eventually, uh, you'll eventually <laughs> learn how to play around each member of your team and their utility. And you'll have ways that you can instantly just react to something. You're like, okay, I'm going to be using the, I'm going to use my breach stun on here on this corner. I want you to push onto it and I'm going to raise grenade the window. And then they, they push in time with each other and then they can punish those players that do rely on just, oh, if they push through, I don't know, garage doors on Haven, I'm just going to shoot them. But the teams that really play around all their utility, you'll find that the tighter that, that those margins get, the less you'll be able to do it. And that happens as time goes on in an esports scene. Teams get more disciplined. Teams get a little bit more precise. Yeah. Yeah, cool. I agree. Glad I think we all it's agree. in a good place as well. Like right now, it's really interesting. There's a blend of different styles all over the place. So yeah. it's only going to get better from here. Yeah, I, I think for me, the big fun one, like, is seeing kind of the return of agents that people thought were mid-tier, kind of leaning towards S-tier again. Um, Viper, for me, coming back in is great. I think she's great on Ascent yeah. and Split, for starters. It's free, easy walls. You get a lineup grenade, essentially, that just ticks on spikes. Uh, same with Sova. I mean, I think it was, who was it? Uh, Wardell was playing it. Um, yeah, and he had, he had so many set pieces, set lineups that are completely safe. You literally get the spike down in a certain area, he falls back to a safe area and then just sits there and waits with the shock dart. I mean, and, yeah. and people have to realize that, oh, it's over left alive, we have to push because we're not going to win otherwise. And that's going to be the next evolution is they have to be able to counter that spot that he's going to probably be sat in. But it adds a new layer. I, I think that's fun. It's, it's definitely not Counter-Strike now, but we're seeing kind of the return of agents that did fall out of favor. And I think Sova was always a a weird pick for me i think when the option was sova or cypher in a composition i would have always said cypher but now seeing how well suited offensively he's fitting into the meta it's pretty good to see him back yeah i think ascent helped a lot with the meta as well because i think we've really seen that ascent plays in such a different way compared to like haven or split in that you have these like long sidelines and very like open side not open sides i mean you know there's a lot of corners but 
you play it in a very different way and i think we've seen in tournaments so far that it's a very diverse meta on ascent specifically because you can play in so many different ways and similarly i think people learn how to play those characters on ascent and then they bring that to the other maps as well so I believe it really shook up the meta in a very nice way, and I'm looking forward to see if they can bring in yeah. Viper into more like Bind, etc. All right, enough about the meta. Let's talk about the tournaments that are being run um, and a couple of the announcements as well, because Riot have finally announced a little bit more information other than their basic esports plans, and that's the Ignition series they've got announced. Pretty big news. Um, I think it was in the last episode we all kind of agreed that, or at least this was the major point I was making. I don't know about you guys. I'm going to claim. I'm going to claim the. Uh, the cloud for this one, I suppose. The uh, I, I said that they need to get more involved. They need to start injecting a bit more capital, working with some of these organizations to create something a little bit more solid than just these yeah. uh, kind of open tournaments that are going around where teams can just kind of throw around. And tournament structures are never really uh, too ideal, but they finally come out with something concrete uh, and I believe two dates as well um, for some tournaments they're working with as well. But the basic idea is that Riot are now going to start to work with a lot of organizers to create tournaments and sort of make something a bit more official in almost every single region, which is pretty huge. Yeah, that part of it is awesome. Like the fact that the second tournament to be officially backed is based in Japan is pretty sick. Like it indicates immediately, it sends a very clear message that they want this to be a global esport. Because Japan is like the last place you, not the last place, you know, maybe that would be fucking, I don't know, Sri Lanka or something, but it's one of the last <laughs> places that you would want to invest in your, uh, your kind of FPS um, console, uh, not console, PC gaming scene. So yeah. the fact that they're willing to, you know, do that as their second title. I mean, they sh should have big things planned for the obvious regions of, you know, even some that some that don't get as much love elsewhere, like Brazil, for example, has got to be higher on their radar than Japan, and like Korea, China, these kind of regions have got to be higher than Japan as well. So the fact that they are immediately backing one of the Japanese events seems to indicate that they have aspirations for other shit. I just saw so many people disappointed by <laughs> by this announcement. Really? Uh, captains. Yeah, the captains because the, the first tournament the Riot's ever put together is just captains who don't know who their fucking team's going to be until... The, like, they'll go to sleep the night before and then wake up and be like, oh, let me just check my PC and find out who I'm playing the first ever Riot Valorant tournament with. Oh. That seems like a good idea. I didn't realize that was, was how that it worked. G2? And how much was that Riot? We, uh, that was, like, I think, mostly G2 because... Yeah. I, now, I don't know that for sure, but I saw the, what's his name, Carlos Ocelot, talking about the decision-making process behind it and saying, I think his justification was something like, oh, well, we haven't seen who the top players truly are yet, so he wanted it to be open. Like, come the mm. fuck on. You want, mm. you, you want viewers, you want fucking big names to be your captains. Don't peddle this bullshit. Just yeah. make it an open tournament if you wanted it to be the best teams at the end. Yeah, <laughs> there's no argument for this. It's a it's a tired format. It didn't really work that well with Twitch Rivals. It didn't make it more entertaining. It made it less. I don't know. I, I yeah, not a big fan. Yeah, no, I sort of agree with you as well because we have some nice storylines coming out of the closed uh, beta as well. But you know, I do think that if we had more proper tournaments with established teams that wanted to play with each other or like open tournaments, I feel like we'd be able to flesh out those narratives rather quickly at the start of this game and see. Who is coming out on top with no, you know, asterisks next to the name. And, you know, we could actually see some teams being established because that's what we had in Overwatch for a long time. And, I mean, when we came out with Overwatch in 2016, we had this whole um, uh, 
Envy story where they were like undefeated for like it was some bizarre yeah. like 30 or 50 like online matches. No, it was matches. like 51 online matches in a row. Yeah. yeah. And then I broke it. But there was like <laughs> such a long period of time where they were so dominant that it created this incredible narrative about that team. But we haven't really been able to find those storylines yet. And I mean, part of that is, you know, artists leaving Fish 123 in Europe, etc. Um, but, you know, not being able to really establish these storylines, I think, hurt the scene a little bit, even though the viewership is nice. What do you make of the EU yeah. tournaments then, the results that have been coming around uh, with the, what is it, the e-polls groups that we've been played so far? We haven't seen the playoffs yeah. yet, but we've seen some individual groups of the EU team. The, the thing is, when we were discussing this uh, podcast and the runner show and the things that we wanted to discuss, the EU scene, I feel a little bit just bamboozled by because it is, it feels like it's in mux, it's it's in flux a lot more than the na scene is the na seems a little bit more settled regarding actual teams and investments and sponsors but it is still quite puggy in eu i mean yes and no the 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 big factor is as much as i hate like invitationals i actually when i think carlos put up a poll and side note i'm super excited to cast that invitational thing with the captains no. <laughs> love that big moves right um the the sad fact is as much as these teams are great and i know a lot of them two for gl the Finns are old cod four players i've known for a very long time they're very very talented uh fish one two three obviously i've known them for a decent amount of time now party parrots i've seen them in a couple of mixes yeah um royals i know them pretty well from cs uh who else is there uh, valorando or whatever they want to call themselves is an old PUBG roster i know you've got uh, cs boys and dream chasers and, and these are the kind of teams in Europe that are considered the, I don't say lesser known teams, but the kind of, you know, grinding teams, you know, away from the Invitationals. The fact is that sometimes the Invitational teams beat them anyway. Um, that's kind of how it is. I mean, the the biggest problem is that literally Prodigy's team, which is that Scream Mixwell roster I keep talking about, they are literally, pro I, I'd argue the best. I'd argue the best out there at the moment. So as much as I'd love to be able to kind of highlight the smaller scene, there is a couple of tournaments obviously highlighting them. They, they ain't as good as someone who's, pretty recently walked away from counter-strike at the very top if not tier one tier two part of the scene right it's like these guys are coming back in or they're coming from a different game they're trying to you know apply their skills here you know nip could be a really good one to look at uh the the roster they picked up has played plenty of other games i think they come from where was it paladins i think yeah it is. paladins um, world and champions so. and they're good they're, i've watched them play they're really good they have the right ideas if you want to look at a team who plays valorant the way a thinking man would like it you know what i mean with like the kind of ideas yeah. of how to approach the game <laughs> they play like that do they win the events no does mixwell just shove an orm up there are sometimes yes <laughs> so it's like as much as i want to hype up that you know oh, i hate these invitationals sadly sometimes the teams that have kind of picked up with these you know cs gods are still just kind of running through it and until these teams like the ones on your screen here like as said nip 24 gl potty parrots the potty parrots were in the twitch rivals tournament recently cis roster beat i think it was the turkish team in the finals very good the cis team just pure russian like approach to the game i mean they're great but they're still not beating out some of the big invites so they need to catch up and when they do then it's game on then it's fun yeah the the european scene seems like it's got i don't know whether this seems weird to say but like more talent but not in the not solidified into good teams properly yet like the american scene is basically four i mean is it like four maybe there's like five Decent, decent, decent teams. Oh, I mean, is Cloud9 a decent team? Yeah. 
Yeah, Cloud9 won a tournament in the beta and then they came in and they just looked fucking all over the place. But is it even Cloud9 though? Well, it's yeah, still 10 I, well, it's right? 10 friends. Yeah. Friends. Mm -hmm. yeah, but it's the same. Well, it's not the same five people actually. They subbed out, uh, who was it, Infinite, and they ran uh, Vice instead in this recent tournament. Yeah, I was confused yeah. who Vice was, if I'm honest. When I was casting, I was yeah. like, have, has yeah. he changed his name? Who You know what I mean? Like, these rosters are yeah. shuffling so much. Yeah, I think it was a new guy. But yeah, I don't know. Cloud9, though, also, in the game that we didn't get to see that was off stream, I went back and I looked at the results of it, and they played default comps again, and they won. So, mm. so it was super weird. Like, the only stuff that they showed on stream was them relying on tens to frag out playing weird comps. And then I looked because I was so confused at how they beat Gen G because I thought that Gen G actually was like, when you were talking Pansy about a thinking man's team, like they seem to have more teamwork, but less fragging power Gen G. They seem pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they they got boomed. They got beaten 2-0 uh, by Cloud9 yeah. off stream. You said that you uh, think that you, you yeah, the European scene has a lot of talent, Josh. Like, is there yeah. any, anyone in particular besides the usual suspects like Prodigy or Fish123? I mean, like, is there any outstanding but the thing, with, the thing with Prodigy is that they're not really a team. It's like an agency yeah. that allows people to pug together or some <laughs> shit. Like, it's not really an organization. So yeah. the amount of people that have gone through Prodigy is a large, large number. It's more than just one roster. So I can see yeah. potential for a bunch of those players. Um, I, I mean, especially the obvious suspects as well. I mean, Scream was recently playing with um, Fish One, with three, Fish One, Two, Three as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. And he, I mean, we'll get on to talking about Fish later because <laughs> what, what a fucking weird conversation that is. But watching oh Scream and Mixwell play is is a delight. But then you've also got like the um, the the Dream Chaser guys, like Pansy was talking about previously, with um, a bunch of Swedish former CS people. They look yeah. pretty good. There's 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 a bunch of talent on the teams that are in Europe, but it hasn't coalesced, I feel. A Fabrican as well, they actually have a bunch of former Overwatch players. Mm. Um, Latex and Leodeds were like tank players, actually, yeah. in Overwatch. Uh, fucking main tank game is apparently not a real thing. It's, there you uh, go. Yeah, it's the opposite. Finally, thank yeah. you. And they picked up Zippen from from Nip. I, I think there's just going to be a lot of shuffling in Europe because yeah. until you have organizations that lock rosters down, you can and should shuffle to try and find what works best for you. This like yeah. process of natural selection where you just fuck teams around until you find something that works. Because um, yeah. the teams that have tried to solidify people, like like NIP, I think have actually only officially signed two of their roster or something. And their their team has just been slowly sliding down as well. I, I yeah, don't know. but it is a bit in a state of flux too, right? Because I think Yasin was not part of that Paladins team, wasn't he? Like the Counter Strike streamer from Sweden. I think it's I think yeah, so. it's YZNB the or YZN. Yeah. yeah, he's he's mostly honestly the reason I knew him is because he's always done like the Twitch rival stuff. I didn't know him as mm. like a standalone player technically, um, and I didn't realize he'd actually joined to play with them otherwise you know what i mean yeah. so i guess he's mm -hmm. actually you know really committed to this he, he played fantastic he was probably one of the harder carries on that team when i was yeah he's play, so. he's one of the big fragging talents in europe yasin's really got skill with the rifle also i mean there's also started from cs right which has existence mm -hmm. and happy and maniac playing for the team so yeah. that's like that's uh definitely a team to to watch out for as well yeah yeah i, I mean it's... for me I just I don't know. Like I I always want to see the uh, the Finns do well. Two Four GL is a team that I'm 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 excited for. I, I'd like to see them growing because I know that they've played as like I think it's at least the core four um, for.
for like almost 10 years. I mean, give or take, right? They've gone through COD 4 Pro Mod, Battalion. They play these kind of like smaller FPS games and they've been damn good at it. So I'd like to see that translate here. And I'm sure that, again, they're a roster that should be able to stay as five and actually grind out, which a lot of these obviously aren't. They're just like, oh, is this XCS player wanting to join our roster? Sweet, let's let's pull him in for a bit and see if it works out. But yeah, we'll see. I find it quite interesting that the... The way esports has been going um, over the last couple of years has been, at least from what I've seen with games that get released, is that NA teams or NA orgs will poach players from Europe quite often and almost entire teams from Europe to represent them in, in the NA region and, and, and play there. Uh, it's generally considered, I, I mean, at least in Overwatch, I think that the EU talent is, off, is looked down upon, but early on in Overwatch, it was always the EU scene was generally regarded, I think, as stronger than NA. Um, yeah. Same in CS for the longest time. I don't know if that's still the case recently. I'd say it's true, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but what I found interesting is COVID has put a stop to the kind of poaching that normally goes on. And what we've had, what we've seen is that, uh, especially recently, that that kind of timeline where players will get poached has been sped up with more outside investment, with more sort of pressure from these uh, investors to, to trying to get like a return, trying to actually build something. Uh, it's it's interesting that COVID has just kind of put a stop to it because no one's going to get visas. You're not going to play a tournament on 120 ping from Europe. You're not really going to be able to pick up those players. So we're going to be in a weird scenario in potentially a couple of months' time when we finally get to see like international LAN events uh, where we couple do of months. get... You're, you're optimistic, aren't you? A couple of months. <laughs> yeah, a couple of years. Yeah, a couple of months. <laughs> Nah, yeah, maybe if if we all fly to Vietnam, you then we can all play a LAN <laughs> event for eighty six dollars. You don't think it'll be? It, it might be a couple of months until a vaccine comes out, and then I don't know. Yeah, how gets possible. Up. Possible. I'm, I'm, uh, is that optimistic? I thought that was a pessimistic viewpoint that we'd all Mate, be out of this in a couple of months. Mate, a couple of months. Yeah. You think in August we're going to be going to LAN events? No, not You're August. Not August. Sorry. When I say a couple of months. What I meant was like next year. <laughs> I didn't mean I didn't mean August, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to see it put a stop. Uh, let's talk about the NA scene then and some of the tournaments. The NA scene for me is uh, interesting to watch because the tournaments are happening quite often, and no one really knows they're happening unless you're really looking for them. It's a bit difficult to kind of find out the results of them. There's a tournament going on as we speak right now. Uh, I think yeah. um, TSM are it playing have the best teams, currently. Yeah, I think TSM is just. It, it, they're the only good team that was in it, right? So they were just kind of um, rolling everybody. I don't know. Gen G might be in it. Is that? I don't are know. They? I mean, check, I they check the... Uh, no, there's also it's got yeah. China Win, who are maybe like the best amateur team yeah. in, in uh, North America. But there's apart from that... There's a called Cute Fat Boy, so it's honestly my favorite cute thing that I've boy. never been able to... Like, Do you remember playing like against Cute Fat Boy, Bren? We played against I remember him a you bunch getting very angry at Cute Fat Boy. I got so angry at him because the <laughs> name's just so cute. Like, it's just... It's so bothering to get killed by cute fat boy repeatedly. Yeah, that's like next level psychological warfare. In my games, I like to, if, if I know somebody's tilted and they say something in all chat in a match, I'll do whatever I can in my power to tilt them further and then act like psychological <laughs> warfare. But that's next level is making your alias cute fat boy just to really yeah. piss somebody off. Imagine, I mean, you were just getting dominated. So I, you don't know, have to imagine yeah. you can... That's relive that. You know, in for Overwatch, that's why Cool Matt had his name, <laughs> Cool Matt sixty nine. He deliberately made the name so that people would get mad when he killed them. Because it was like it was like the name that a twelve year old would pick. Like, ha, sex number, I'm really cool. My name's Cool Matt sixty nine. Yeah, it was the same with Too Good as well. He really? Frag people. Yeah. yeah. And he wanted to be like 
this guy is too good you know like it's, it's kind too of bad as well oh, you know? so yeah that's yeah it's kind of basic these days though if you think about it the name too good <laughs> yeah but he's an old man now he is an oh, old yeah. man yeah he's from a bygone yeah. era anyway let, let's talk about these NA teams <laughs> the, <laughs> the uh hey he brought us my dong so you do know, we you do we still think because uh, i was actually quite surprised where with the uh immortals first light that everyone predicted tsm to win it the the entire yeah. thing i was a bit surprised about that actually as well especially considering that tsm had uh uh, had just lost to a couple of amateur teams in the Pittsburgh night tournament. And then they also, I mean, in the beta, they lost to Cloud9 and then uh, before they were picked up for TSM. And then they had like a close game against Gen.G. I don't know. I didn't feel like they were the the massive favorites that everyone thought they were, but they fucking ruined in the tournament. So I guess they were right. Yeah, they did do pretty yeah, well. They, I, they I mean, the closest game them. was the uh, Immortals match. Think, it was, yeah. Between them. I mean, that was the only one that went really the distance. Um, I for some reason predicted Immortals to win this event. Maybe it was just the Immortals first night immortals. in the name. I, I, I didn't predict them. I thought that people were sleeping on them a little bit. Because from yeah. what we've seen of this this squad, I don't know if it, I've just been listening to Pack and Ten too much. I don't know. But he Pack and Ten, the coach for Immortals was or one of the one of the coaches, one of the, the people who put this squad together, was convinced that when he was speaking to management, he was like, okay, I think we said this last episode, but he said to management, you know, give us two months with this team and we'll make them like a top contender. And they've just been improving so rapidly that with every single tournament that we watch, I feel like with Immortals, they do just get better and better and better and seem ever so closer to taking away this mantle that TSM might be the best team in NA. Um, but this this kind of evolution of the NA scene is happening so quickly that if you just if you blink for a moment you're just going to miss it because it, it, we went from the narratives that you know we've got T1 who we haven't seen for a long time, um, Gen yeah. G T1 who, could still be the best team as well by the way like they, they bro, just haven't okay. played in a while. You're saying that after the Twitch Rivals event where they almost lost to Miff and Friends. Well, yeah, I know, but like they they, was they could be that's TSM the with Myth though, right? Yeah, it was TSM, TSM with, with Myth, yeah. And Myth was actually they leave kind out? of decent. Myth is fine, they left yeah. out Hazed, right? Yeah, they I left think. out Hazed. I think so. Yeah, and Hazed is not a fragger. Like TSM is is Wardell and Sabrosa with drones sometimes yeah. fragging as well. So the, the mean, players that are twenty two years of age <laughs> as opposed to the thirty one year olds. <laughs> <laughs> what did you call TSM? I said in TSM was uh, was a retirement home with Wardell managing them. <laughs> it's what it feels like sometimes but it's obviously not that apt because there are some younger players but yeah sub rosa and water it feels like i i take issue with tsm when i watch them because it does feel like if water doesn't get a pick early on like they suck at pistol rounds because water doesn't have an op in the pistol round so what? it feels that like that gives you two rounds that doesn't matter yeah pistol rounds yeah are so exactly this game the economy is so weak like it's so unpunishing is such a shit word for it, but I'll, I'll go for it for now. I mean, the point is that economy doesn't actually make that much of a difference. Wardell knows how to play to be able to give himself an operator every yeah. single fucking round, it seems. And honestly, you drop one pistol, you have the better buy in the third anyway. You know what I mean? Like it literally doesn't matter. Um, I cast the game against Immortals. Immortals probably played the better game of Valorant and they still got dumpster babied by Wardell running around with an operator. Yep. Yeah. If you don't know how to approach that, if you don't know how to get past a double op setup, then that's your own fault. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. and, and someone like Wardell should get away with it until people punish him, you know? And yeah, then you've got to totally hope that the, the backbone of that team, which is everyone else, can just play a, a normal game of basically Counter-Strike at that point. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they're fine. I'm not convinced, though, that TSM is going to be able to... Uh... I don't know. It, it seems weird to me because I, I keep talking myself in circles with this because I do think that TSM <laughs> is 
a fragging team. Like that, that is the thing yeah. that is carrying them at the moment is the fact that Wardell's such a beast orper. And actually, Sabrosa might even be the like low key best player on this team because of the fact that he can pick up that double orp and be really nasty on another part of the map. And then his rifle and his pistol is just unbelievable as well. Um, but the 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 thing that I keep talking myself in circles with is whether TSM have a better chance of improving tactically and kind of staying ahead of the rest of the pack, or the other teams have a chance of being able to overtake them by improving their their already decent tactics to the point where they can just overcome Wardle and Sabrosa. Like it, I think it comes down to what you believe. Then? Like who's the uh, next? Who's the team that should be able to do that? I mean, hopefully it would be T T1, but I don't think the T1 are a strategic team either from what we've seen yeah. so far, but we haven't really seen them with their full five outside of Twitch rivals, which, you know, we, we don't have the sample data for that. But I well, think that Genji and Immortals, right? yeah, Genji yeah. and Immortals are both more tactically sound teams, I think, than TSM, but they yeah. lack the fragging power. And Immortals finished third. They actually beat Genji. But I, I put out a tweet being like, wow, I can't believe that Genji got ass blasted off stream. <laughs> and, and I had one of their staff get in touch with me and DM me and be like, uh, by the way, Mikhail's uh, gone to the hospital. So, so that's the was reason that, why. Was that Arnold? No, no, it wasn't. Was but it was, it, it, was, it was somebody else that was right. working for Genji. So yeah, they, uh, they, they wanted to make sure that everybody knew that Mikhail was, was ill. So maybe that yeah. had something to do with it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, like, I just real quick, watching the, the, the skill disparity between Immortals and Team Solo mid in the game I cast was actually pretty huge. They did go OT in one game, but I mean, honestly, TSM were running through them. And if you're going to face off yeah. against TSM, and if a bunch of analysts and commentators from either Overwatch or Counter-Strike can realize that Wardell is the problem you're going to face, how the fuck didn't they work that out? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, real talk, we shouldn't Thank be you. the fucking ten heads about this. Like... <laughs> If Immortals are meant to be the team to jump, they, they you, you can't walk into a TSM game and be surprised when you, you get treated like that. You have to be able to calm that down instantly. You have to be able to either play out your know, yeah. default, sit you know, deep on site, get ready to do site hits over and over again in the most boring potential fashion. I couldn't think of a single thing wrong technically that Immortals did. Technically, they were fine. But they just got absolutely blasted by Wardell running around. If you're not going to be able to yeah. work that out, that's that's on you right it's like i and, and and again i mean as you said i would and you know that pickup of skadoodle over hiko makes me worry that we're never gonna see um t1 having the strategic backbone of a strong igl they're all a very quiet team and when it comes to like uh, you, don't, a vocal you don't think voice. skadoodle is like good enough of an igl i know he picked it up more like after <laughs> he took a break and now into valorant but i don't know how good he is of an igl compared to hiko no but do, will you get more out of skadoodle power wise sure i'd say if they wanted a good igl which that team needed for me personally i wish they'd picked up hiko but i knew they'd have picked up skadoodle anyway so it's yeah. like i think they're gonna lack a, a, a an overarching voice of experience even though skadoodle is great this is no discredit to skadoodle or anyone on that team they just don't have someone who naturally fulfills that role so mm. i'll be interested to see who does push to that number one spot because i think it'll define the meta in na yeah yeah, my, my... I'm very interested to see how Skadoodle performs with T1 because I do think that, you know, like I agree with all of you, I think it's probably one of the most interesting teams in the NA scene. But I, I wanted to add to Immortals as well that I think one of the reasons we want to see Immortals do so well, or at least I want to see them do well, is because they bring this analytical approach to Valorant. Mm -hmm. And I think this is what a lot of people expected about the competitive Valorant scene is we would see so many good executes and analytical play, etc. And I mean... Like Josh mentioned, we know Packing 10 and Gunba so well from Overwatch and what kind of coaching style they sort of bring to the table. And so I think we want to see Immortals do well 
because they approach the game in a different way from maybe some of these Counter-Strike players, and maybe they can be, take that approach and push the game to the next level. That being said, yeah. though, I do very much think it's an attitude question, so I don't want to count TSM out, because I know that they're on top right now with T1 not playing a lot of tournaments, but I could very much just see them continue to dominate, you know, the way they're playing right now. I have um, yeah. a different read of, of the match. Not a different read per se, but from the TSM Immortals game um, that we watched. Mm. Watching that just screamed to me as the games progressed in each uh, map, screamed to me that Immortals were losing their heads a little bit, I think, um, in Maybe. terms of their, their discipline and how that well they were working together. So the one thing that you need to not lose is, is that kind of discipline when you're playing against a team like TSM because, like we've already made um, so evident, it, Wardell is just going to dismantle you and so is uh, Sabrosa. Um, that was my take on it, at least when I was watching it, because it seemed like they had the pieces necessary early on. The early rounds, almost the first half or the first quarter of each map, seemed like it was quite back and forth, quite even, uh, with Immortals taking a slight e edge. But the more that the money started to work and Wardell was picking up the op almost every round, and the, the more they started to lose those rounds just purely off the back of Wardell or Sobrosa getting some opening pickoffs for them, the, the more they seemed to sort of crumble. Um, but I think this will fade away with time um this is this is why i'm pretty confident that the mortals will eventually overtake these more kind of pubby teams um if tsm don't shape up themselves in terms of uh you know playing more towards the, the strategic side of of uh, of valorant um i think immortals will eventually overtake them as long as they get over this kind of uh, nerves whatever you want to call it i don't want to say nerves because we have no way mm. to tell what they were thinking in the game I but mean watching them that's how i felt personally the thing for me, though, is, like, uh, the next step to that is TSM don't have to play a normal style until someone makes them, right? Like, for them, yeah. this is just, like, if you think of it like like an onion, right? So <laughs> until someone like Immortals can punish them for the super aggressive peaks, the super aggressive defensive side, pushing up everywhere, taking map control, which you should be doing. You know, let's say a T side should be defaulting and then leading a site hit, you know, going through the checkboxes, which TSM know how to do. They're all CS players. They know how to play a default round out if they have to. They're, they're playing this like they have someone like Kenny S on their team who can just, or, or JW in his prime, who can bound around, get a pick, and then just back off from it. Until you punish that, why would they ever have to change? And mm -hmm. then you've got to hope the TSM doesn't have that second look, which I'm almost certain they're going to have. They know how to play a basic round. They know how to play patient on sites. They know how to play their, you know, their agents. I think TSM's going to be a bigger problem. If they're able to keep that confidence up against someone who can match that sort of picking style, like T1, like you probably won't get away with that against Skadoodle or Brax. But yeah, again, so it's like games. if they can if they can apply that mentality of just <laughs> sheer confidence running at you, being hyper aggressive, you know, then falling away, costing you rotation time, costing you map control and you know map knowledge of where people are. If they can apply that across the board, they're going to be a nutty team until someone completely quenches that, until someone completely locks that down. And again, they might face T1 shit the bed and not be able to do it. So what does it matter? That was a one off tournament, right? Well, what do we think of T1 then? Because I, I thought this was generally um, the consensus, but I am not that hot on T1 as a team, personally. Just watching them play, we haven't seen much of them. I think the last time we saw them play, what was the Twitch Rivals tournament? Yeah, that was um, it. And mm. the competition was, I mean, the competition was, was lacking, teams, right? Yeah, so. exactly. Mm. But I didn't think too much of them, personally. Just that was my, that's my impression of them currently until we see them in a tournament since then. Do people think this or do we, do we, are we under the impression that they're one of the true contenders for the top spot with TSM? I, I think you, you have to you have to assume, I think, that they are going to be up there with the others because we've seen them perform at like an okay level 
Um, even before they added Scar to the roster, they finished, uh, what was it, second, I think, behind Gen G in their like T1 Nerd Street Gamers Invitational thing. Mm. Um, so uh, we know that, the, yeah, they finished second in that. <clears throat> and they, they had, uh, oh no, that was with Skadoodle. It was with Elise instead of Food. Uh, we just didn't know that Skadoodle was going to be on the roster at that point. Um, so I, I think that this is, this is a team that the raw power and the name value of their roster which isn't my favorite way of building teams. And I think that those kind of teams are going to drop off faster than any others. But, but just early on in the game, if you've got a team that has Brax and Skadoodle and, and ACK on it, you're, you should be going for the top spot. And if you're not, then I think you've, you've made some serious mistakes if you've, uh, if you've already been having reasonable success in tournaments. Like what, what, Any tournament they enter, they should be... Maybe not a favorite because we haven't seen them, but they should be ahead of every other team that isn't in that top four. Yeah, you'd expect them to be in semis at least, you know? Yeah. 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 Like if they aren't making semifinals of any team, any tournament that they've been invited to, then that's that, that's a, a major failure for them, I think. On the other side of that, let's talk about a team. I've been wanting to talk about this team for a, a while, actually. The last two episodes we've done, but we've not got onto the individual team aspect Sentinels. Oh my, my god. god. There's what nothing a, to talk about, Brent. What a tragedy yeah. though that Sentinels <laughs> is. Like what a tragic team. The I, I watched them play and it's like they're stuck in 2015 or something. This was a whole month ago. The last time they played it was a in long the time ago. was literally in in like the beta it was in the, the 17th beta, of yeah. May. But the the reason I think that we want to talk about this is because it has Overwatch players on it, right? And so much was made of this Sinatra going over to this roster and they have uh zombs over there as well pairing alongside shazam and six so it's like a blend of cs talent and overwatch talent and they have not been performing well yeah, it, yeah. and when you look at the vods it's just five people following each other into a choke point it oh, is mate, it's tragic it's it is a lack tragic. of but th it, there's no defaults there's no map control there's this is this is why I think the Sentinels have turned down a lot of the invitations, like the Immortals uh, First Light invitation. Um, and I mean, do you know that they turned them down, or are you just pulling that out of your ass? Were they I, invited? Why wouldn't they been? I, I don't know because they're not good because they haven't had good I, results at tournaments. I, I mean, think you can't just say that they turned down an invite. When you're trying to make a tournament, Josh, you earn that money back through viewership, right? I mean, it's it's it, yeah. it, it would make sense that you want to invite the biggest names. Uh, and Sentinels is one of the teams with the biggest names. I, I think. Okay. I'm just going off the assumption that they did invite them because it's a little bit in my in my primate brain. It's a little bit ludicrous not to assume that they weren't invited because it just it just makes sense. But I have a a little internal conspiracy theory that some of these teams that have been turning down these events aren't go. quite uh, getting the results that they want in scrims, and they're not up to the up to scratch. Teams like. T1 that struggled against um, TSM with Myth in Twitch Rivals, teams like Sentinels, which really struggled, even uh, even in the beta. Um, I, I think they're waiting until they get some more respectable results, but eventually there's going to come a tournament that rolls around. Actually, will there even be? I, I don't know what I'm saying here. Will there be a tournament? Do you think there's going to be a tournament that there's going to be over a 100k prize pool online? I don't think so, right? There's no way in hell that they would run. Where, like where that. do you go with this, Brent? I mean, I, 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 mean, I don't know. I'm jumping all over the topics. Yeah. <laughs> what, 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 what's your What's your end goal here? You think that there's at some point going to be a tournament that's so big that these teams have to show up and yeah. then they flop? Is that potentially? Is that the yeah. But they'll just play open tournaments. 
a lot of these tournaments, I think, are going to just but be they haven't, qualification. Though, and I they haven't been playing. They've been, the they've been remaining you know, Why hidden. haven't Sentinels been playing more? Oh, well, there have been a lot of Invitationals. All right, I mean, well, and yeah, it could they, just be because they're shit. I'm going to be honest. I mean, they've been... Tell it how it is, Pansy. No, I mean, uh, they lost to, what, it was M-Spaz at the time, which turned into TSM. So that was the yeah. last thing we saw from them, I think. That was in, when was that? I just can't remember. I mean, they've lost out to respectable people, but the fashion in which they lose in these tournaments does not give you hope. The first time of another good team, they don't make it to, you know, eight plus rounds, 10 plus rounds. And during the early stages, Shazam was, you know, one of the players that everyone was watching as well, let alone obviously having one of you, arguably the better Overwatch players coming into this roster and obviously causing that big, like, you know, uh, frenzy around it. But yeah, Shazam was really solid uh, throughout it. And I mean... How do you make a roster like that work, though? You've got no idea how these people play in a team. You have no idea about your teammates. You played yeah. a couple of pugs. Sure, this got thrown together off the back of, hey, let's pick up Sinatra because he's absolutely nutty. Um, and I, I assume there's only so many teams he could go to, potentially, unless there's some sort of contract clash yeah. coming no, out of No, he had that as well. Coming that... from San Francisco, shock, yeah. There were only so Did... many teams he could go got to. It. Did, did he, though? Okay. Because that was reported that that was the case, and then I he denied it, it. So I don't yeah. even, I don't know what the reality of that situation is. Jacob but, Wolf's I mean, normally correct, but yeah. Yeah, again, it is pinch of salt with that. But the point is, it's like that roster got thrown together kind of at the same time as, I guess, you're looking at like T1 side, you know, locking the roster. It looks fine on paper but not when you consider how much people are again discussing that these players got signed for is that mm -hmm. worth the value right now no but potentially to resell down the line maybe i don't know it's it's been a flop until we see them i as I said i think top three is reasonable to look at for them when they're getting beaten out eventually i think what was it that the one where they lost to m spaz now tsm they were when did where did they finish in total in that they were seventh to eighth oh, position got yeah, being out by high grounds I, honestly for na the team i want to be looking at to do well that isn't as much on the radar as high ground they're the pubg yeah, they team that okay everyone recently. every like they are getting so much shit for not being a cs team or you know an overwatch player or you know some caliber that is deemed to be okay to the fps you know fan base but Aren't I mean, they're from PUBG or uh, yeah, PUBG Six? team. Oh yeah, PUBG. PUBG team. Pretty much all of them played for. I think it was Tempo Storm, if I'm not mistaken, over in NA. They did great, but they were young guns, and and they they've been grinding hard. I mean, at the end of PUBG, they left PUBG basically, still playing in the leagues, but didn't bother playing Prax. Went over, grinded, face it, got to like the highest rank they could, getting ready for Valorant, and then just switched. And I mean. In the private invite channels, they've been doing pretty well in all their scrims. They've been beating out most of these kind of like, you know, being bought up for 20k rosters sort of deals. And yeah. to be fair, they're struggling to find an org because people aren't expecting a team that's not comprised of XCS players being any good. So it's like, I think they're the team to look out for because they have a lot more to grind for. If you exclude like, I, I guess, like Brax with the old storyline of, you know, he's finally able to play, he's been released. Yeah, yeah um they're they they're, they're hungry right they've got a lot to prove which would be interesting yeah. whereas obviously some of these other teams have already some i don't want to say peaked but they've they've hit you know good high markers in cs in quote-unquote respectable games you're very well fleshed out uh esports scenes so it'd be interesting to see if these guys come up and and do well for themselves but yeah the na scene is is a weird one it's like yes you've got probably the highest looked at teams as such right you, you get these kind of big names but will they be any good like three months down the line i don't know because yeah they yeah. picked it up around streamers right it was like yep. who's yeah. the big names who's the, the influencers who's pulling viewers the clout team i'm worried about the clout retention rate as well i want to tm that as well the the clout retention rate if you start <laughs> losing tournaments or not 
entering tournaments, you, you start to lose it very fast. I've yep. I, I have some kind of sick interest. I feel like I feel like almost a mirror. When I look in the mirror now, I see what Monty feels about the Overwatch League because I look at Sinatra <laughs> and I have been refreshing his Sully Gnome account occasionally because I have this. I have this concern for Sinatra. It's not that I want to be proven correct. I would love to be proven wrong. But I have this concern that if the because the Sentinels picked Sinatra up so early and have uh, just created a team that has not looked like it has much potential, it, people were always saying, right, okay, if Sinatra goes over to Valorant, that's fine. Because even if he doesn't pop, even if he doesn't pop off, he'll still be a good streamer because he's got that streaming base. He had all of those stream viewers and he's a good, really good player. Um, but a lot of the people who peak early in a esport like this, if they don't manage to keep relevancy within the competitive side of it, they they can drop off pretty fucking quickly. Mm. And and so I've been kind of taking a look at his uh, the the viewership uh, of his uh, stream as well, and and it has it has been dipping. Like he uh, when he was first getting announced, he was getting like two thousand, three thousand kind of uh, peak viewers on his streams, and now he's at a place where he's getting somewhere between one thousand and and like two thousand five hundred, something like that. I, and I'm concerned that if either the Sentinels don't continue to enter tournaments, or they do and uh, and they're just shit, that it takes a lot of these these like clout teams and it just fucking nosedives them, and they don't even have the the clout itself anymore. Well, so really, I'm... they should have gone the Cloud9 approach. That's what I wanted Sentinel to do anyway, where it's like, hey, we're signing Sinatra, this is the big deal, and we're going to play with him. And they compete in all of these different tournaments, and then they can shape the team around him. Yeah. But this Sentinel squad feels so official that now the expectation is on all of those players to perform. Whereas yeah. for Cloud9, you're like, well, okay, Tense is a fragger. He's fucking insane. We love this guy. And then if someone's shit, they can just boot him off and be like, well, yeah. you know, Trial is over. Sorry. Yeah. For <laughs> yeah, Sentinels, see you later, you Shinobi. Really... Peace. Yeah. <laughs> Sentinels, you can't really do that, whereas I think we have a lot of questions about the surrounding players of Sinatra. I think Sinatra is a great player in Valorant, and I think he has a good f future ahead of him, but I don't think he necessarily have the support system in this Sentinel squad to really continue to enable him. And if they're not playing in tournaments because this team isn't good enough, I mean, that's where you messed up. That's where you shouldn't have signed all of these players to deals, yeah. you know, yep. this early in this in in the in the in the echo space. And like, kind of kind of disappointing because I just want to see Sinatra frag, and I know he can frag, but if the team around him isn't good enough, then you know that's going to hurt him as well. All right, let's address the elephant in the room then. The one uh, the one thing that we've been uh, waiting to to dive onto the artist accusations that have come about. No, oh no, yeah, no, can no, we no. Let, can we just run through the fish one two three story for starters as well? Because we've never gone through the their kind of the the reason that people are even paying attention to them. That I think I gave Kurt this like uh, tweet from Sliggy, who's mm. the he's like a really he's probably the best observer in CS. I mean, am I wrong in saying that? I feel like he's incredibly he's, he's, well respected. He's part of the band that is all as diligent as each other. They are the ones right, that you want right. to hire if if you don't want your tournament to be shit. And he's the coach of Fish123, and, and this is what this team was able to accomplish in the beta. He made that, like, this wonderful infographic, which I loved. They, they were number one worldwide in team earnings, despite the fact that there was bigger tournaments, although more regular tournaments happened in Europe, but bigger tournaments, I think, in North America. They, were, they had never lost a best of three, uh, all of this kind of shit, like un unbelievable stuff. And so I went back and I watched a ton of VODs of them, and uh, they have some amazing players. I mean, Artis is their primary AWPer, 
and he just shits on people. Soulcast is their raised player who like plays on the the other side of the map normally and like clears areas on his own. And he's so good. Was like I, I think probably the best raise at figuring out early on these amazing boombot angles and being able to um, uh, clear ciphers and put a lot of pressure on them around the map. Uh, and then since launch, this team has just. I mean, they haven't been the same team. They are literally just not the same team. They played well, Twitch Ardis rivals without Ardis, and then, yeah, Ardis officially left, and they've just not looked the same at all since. Even when they played with Scream, they just... The, the team lost to Hip Hip Hip. Uh, that's yeah. that's yeah. the first best of three that this team has lost. I mean, can you call them still the team? I mean, I mean may maybe not without Ardis, but yeah. It, it's so weird, though, because they, think... they were hands down the best team in Europe, and sure. probably... Probably the world when you consider beta, like the the way that they were playing. I don't think that's too much of a stretch to to argue. Even though like Prodigy was running them pretty close, they hadn't lost the best of three to them. And then yeah. in the in the actual launch, this team when you watch them, it just looks so different. Like they they lost the magic immediately. Yeah, they they played a style mm. that I loved when we were watching them. It was it was like the puggy style, but I loved it because they're they're playing this this high tempo style, often with with rays and jet. Just the aim of it playing. Uh, playing playing a good style of game, but they had confidence that they were going to just win the aim duel straight up on various sections of the map. I think back to like how they would execute Haven on attack, for example. Like sometimes they just send Soulcash just down a long by himself, just to just expecting him to get a pick or something. Uh, yeah. And I think when you remove some of this firepower with Artis being gone, Ice Paper Hands Artis, he uh, he him being so mechanically skilled and potentially being one of the best oppers in the world removed a lot when this when this team gone and that's a significant cornerstone for the team of what they based a lot of their play off of so of course it's not mm. going to be the same team now i i do think though if you want to replace a player you just want to pick up another fragger right like you look at the rest of the roster you've got igls you've got kind of your flex pick um kind of players so obviously like soulcast is your flex pick uh link kind of being your sage main which is what you want um your igl of Eccles, I mean, yeah. these guys are the solid ones. I'd rather lose out on uh, a standalone opera than potentially, you know, my IGL that's pretty good. Yeah. And again, you know, the UK scene is perpetually unstable. I think the big deal for me was it was a UK team that seemed to like each other, that seemed to didn't have drama. I'm sure there's another topic we can follow up with. But the point is, it, that was the big deal. It wasn't that they were good at the game. There were plenty of people good at the game. They did well, of course, but they weren't infallible. They they were fine, and I liked the approach. They were keen. They, I mean, like, Slee was sweating on servers, finding these yeah. lineups. I mean, the guy was, like, working hard. You, you, you'd, you'd be hard-pressed to find someone who knew more, knew more than Sliggy, who then put that to Soulcast, who then kind of applied it in game. So for me, it was like, yeah, they, they're a great team, good squad. They seemed keen. They had like a goal, right? But yeah, I mean, everything else has kind of been marred now. There's there's this tarnish across all of it. But uh, again, yes, watching artists play, he was phenomenal um, within that squad. But could you pick up just a fragger again that you just literally say, go out and do your thing. Here's your op. We'll get you on it financially. Don't shit the bed. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. It's easier yeah, to I replace mean than everything else. They were kind of doing that with Scream, though, but he was forcing Reyna a lot. So I'm questioning, you know, were they comfortable playing with Reyna in their lineup? Because, you know, it's a bit of a pub stumper hero, and Scream got the job yeah. done. Like, he get, did get a ton of frags. Scream was fragging, yeah. Yeah, But, but Scream's primarily a rifler, which I think changes up the whole... 
kind That's of true. course of your your game flow as well i don't really think that it comes down to the the hero compositions either because most of the time artist was just playing jet in order to get himself in the best alt positions you know like how we see all yep. all of the alt players just picking up the jet and using it to play these hyper aggressive angles like sometimes you know what else on the sova instead but generally speaking jet is so good at being able to get that pick and then just disengage but i i don't know this team just didn't seem to I, I don't know. And every conversation you have about it now is going to be, you're going to have to ask yourself the question, well, was artists legit? Were, is this, is this a situation where they looked better because, because they just had a, yeah. a guy what do you cheating think on that? their team? Oh, fucking impossible to know, isn't it? I mean, I think you have to start off with the, the person accusing him because when you hide... <laughs> I say hide, but yeah, I think hide is a fair word. When you hide behind the Twitter account name of like uh, the police. police department or something, I you, it, it's just it's just one dude that's been around in Overwatch for a while who likes to out people who've been accused of cheating, and it's not always the best reporting in the world. It's not the best reporting in the world. It's just baseless accusations some of the time. But there is some evidence that's also been provided. There's like, clearly the voice is artists talking about contemplating match fixing. And uh, yeah, uh, there's some apparent logs of him talking to uh, cheat developers. I think just talking about match fixing though, the thing that people on the internet seem to have forgotten is that an accusation like this will hurt somebody's career. And it would suck so much if Ardis was like, again, just a moment of weakness, as all humans have, uh, you know, having the discussion but never actually doing it. And then him just ruining whatever opportunities come up for himself based off of this would blow because he is genuinely one of the most talented players uh, that we've come across. And I think the cheating accusations yeah. as well are a little bit shaky as well. It just comes, what is it? The private logs between a, a cheat developer saying that he was considering radar cheating or was radar cheating? Yeah, something like that. I, 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 don't, and I don't think that, I, I mean, I know that CS as a game is very, uh, there have been accusations of cheating at the highest level before in the past. And it's a game that if you even use the slightest, most subtle cheats, you could get an enormous advantage over your yeah. opponents. Whereas in a game like Overwatch that we come from, you'd have to be fucking going wild with hacks in order to get a massive <laughs> advantage. Like wall hacks just wouldn't be as anywhere near as useful. They would not be game changing in the sense of like small wall hacks, like, you know, these aim adjustment things that show you which direction a player right. is in. Whereas the, it's it's so difficult to be able to say with pure confidence that that nobody at the elite level could possibly be cheating, um, especially in a game where all of the matches are happening online. Vanguard has already had its problems. They've, they've had to roll back certain uh, measures with Vanguard because they've been far too intrusive with the client itself. And it's brand new, and we've already seen that cheats can happen. So it's hard to have confidence either way, really. Yeah. Honestly, I just I just want Riot to investigate this so yep. he'd know one way or another. That that's yeah. it. I mean, the problem is like you look the the irony being that this is the biggest redemption arc for one of the players who got basically his career ruined by match fixing, um, in the form of Brax obviously coming back in, Valorant's second shot of being, you know, a true competitor again, you know, with a clean slate. Um and now the first thing we see about one of the most up and coming teams, you know, this big talent, you know, the the one to watch. Well, you know, here it is again, right? It's like, and I think that 
seeing what happened to Brax when obviously it was proven to be true, I don't want to sit here and second guess and go, well, maybe. I mean, the guy's the mind, the, the guy was phenomenal to watch. So it's like, if, if it turns out, yeah, he was cheating or yeah, he was match fixing, get him out. There, there's no, you know, you that that's it. I mean, yeah, yeah, you know keep him out of the scene as long enough to ensure that he cannot be a competitive player for a good amount of time um but it just it just sucks already that oh of course it's the uk team yeah of course it is why couldn't it be anybody else you know like why does it have to be the absolute fucking brexit boys sitting here just (laughs) dribbling away like can we please just not be idiots once like i i I genuinely hope for the sake of the scene it's not true right obviously for the sake of the player it's not true and this is just some baseless bullshit um problem is will everyone doubt him until he goes to land yep even if he plays average at land will he still be accused yep you know it's like you know this is this is a big thing for the reputation so i think take it away from the public's hands is the best thing and say right please just fix this one way or another and just you know look into it the best you can um, yeah. and do what you can to either clear the man's name or to you know get it get it gone because it's it's gonna absolutely fuck over the competition early on if this is already happening you know what i mean it's yeah. like no. yeah and i think that right if they do find any evidence that there has been match fixing or and that's the other thing as well i think that he says in his tweet longer that there was a team in europe that he knew of that was match fixing and he was talking yeah. about those guys which i can't remember the name of them it was like valley valorytics or something yeah anyway the, I feel like if Riot does find evidence of that, the the you need to clamp down on it mega hard early on because you can already see that even if even if artists didn't, that the idea of this has already penetrated from yep. the low level CS aside, and so you you need to make sure that that doesn't become pervasive within your tier two scene before it ever begins. So I think that even if even for the people that hated the idea of Brax being just permabanned from all events and this kind of stuff, because, you know, there's no chance for redemption. I feel like you you would be justified for a very harsh punishment early on in yes. the Valorant scene, because you need to root that kind of stuff out right at its start, right at the core. Yeah. I mean, you know, it would be a permaban probably, you know, from Valorant. Yeah. I mean, I would, yeah. I, I would approve of that as well, as long as the evidence was there and it was, substantial enough yeah Yeah, the way you uh the way you avoid any of this even uh, i I completely agree with you all it needs to be right that interjects and investigates into all of this and shuts it down if it is the case and shuts it down hard but um you know the ignition series it comes back to this argument of essentially supporting the scene in the first place so that people for whatever reason don't have to rely on match fixing to make a career out of being a pro player um, and having that sort of support structure in place from the base level. And I hope the it does go further with the Ignition series. It seems like Riot have the right idea with it. Um, so hopefully with an actual nice support structure with that teams can go into and then they can earn money if they're good enough, this is not even a conversation that will occur again. But I know somehow it will, the UK scene. Yeah, I mean, of course it will. Not even yeah. the UK scene, just, just, it, it just will happen. Like this yeah. is the kind of, Stuff that will inevitably crop up within a game like this, especially when you consider that we're going to be stuck in online games for a, quite a long period of time. Nobody knows exactly how long, yep. but within the Europe and, and North America, it seems like we're going to be playing online for quite a while because yep. land, lands are just going to be not not unless we fly in, the, to in the benefit of public health. I mean, yeah, yeah, unless we fly to Vietnam. 
it's like the scenes are like I mean Emilio's banned I think still from competing in CS tournaments I'm pretty sure and he's playing currently with that Devil Walk roster I mean like I I don't know like yeah. online mm. online games and this kind of like sense of unknowing I absolutely hate I mean you know the the biggest downfall of integrity is obviously you know, cheating and match fixing and it's it's the pillar of what makes us be able to enjoy a game is knowing that they're doing it all legit right so it's like if there's any doubt of that if it's anything like i it, it winds me up it's like the entirety of that fish one two three is like initial run the big storyline the potential of you know that's the best european team now is completely marred because of this so yeah it's, it's yep. really it's really disappointing yeah it yeah and is. i mean even in this allegation it was like that he was going to be picked up for g2 right. i don't know whether that's still going to happen like if you're right, g2 yeah. what do you do in this situation right like yeah. you you have found a player that's the best opera in europe frags unbelievably hard uh looks like a fantastic prospect to sign along with uh mixwell who was their their yeah. first player that they announced and now you're in a position where are you gonna are you gonna kind of bow to the the public accusations yeah. or give the guy a chance and risk a massive hit to your pr it's a super tough position to be in for even the organizations involved because that was the rumors right that he was going to join g2 the the, yeah. the room I, I mean honestly if if even just the dregs of prodigies comes together to join g2 with mixwell uh Ardis, and they you know get scream involved this team could yeah, be that's absolutely bonkers. picante yeah. Yeah, it is unreal because right now they've only announced mixwell but uh it, it seems like if you follow the kind of trend that they may just be going with you know the rest of the prodigies to, to, to join this squad or some of the players yeah. at least up a bit. I mean, yeah. it would almost well, be too they much for Twitch, was it Twitch Rivals they played together? Artists played Yeah, where Artists played. Yeah. yeah. It was, like, uh, it was I, unreal. Yeah, these, these it was crazy. One. Yeah, because you had the perfect, you know, operator balancer and was speaking to Mixwell after an interview. And I mean, Mixwell, if you ask most of the European players, they'll pick between Artists and Mixwell as the tier one operator players, you know, depending on which style annoys them more. Do you want your kind of more passive um you know more solid just operator that will always deliver you the the frag that will do just you know just the right thing um in the form of mixwell or do you want your flashy you know out there aggressive or taking every single fight possible in artists i mean yeah and the concept of those two being on a team together being able to kind of create this really nice combination put hours in to work it out together the synergy was great he was almost IGLing against you know what at the time was his current team if not x team um it was it was brilliant to watch so as i said i don't envy g2's position if they are now in process of well we were going to pick this guy up and yeah. you know do we wait for riot's confirmation now do we have to just sit here on this and uh, you know yeah. what, what do we do yeah it's it's fucked as well because i mean i i feel like the most likely scenario is that the cheating shit is is probably untrue but the yeah. match fixing thing was something that he was probably heavily considering and probably has done in the past. Like if I had to guess, you know, just, just judging by the, the UK scene and by the fact that he has by his own admission, actively considered match fixing in the past. If you're going to admit to having thought about something, it probably did not end there, but who knows? You got to give him the benefit of the doubt until evidence comes to light. Um, but even in that instance, I mean, I feel like with, a new case that comes to light and somebody that hasn't served any punishment, people are going to feel about that far worse than they do about somebody like Brax. 
who has already served the punishment for it. Uh, but the the facts of the matter wouldn't be any different. Like if artists actually had match fix in CS and not been caught for it, it would be kind of weird for Riot to have some kind of punishment for that in a pre in an, another previous game. So you get into some really weird territory yeah. with this kind of stuff. Where if a new thing came to light right now as a current Valorant pro, but it was in a former game, like you're you're kind of obliged not to punish them because it was somebody else's yeah. game. But, but you then, have got to keep a very watchful eye on them. Yeah, because then you'd imagine maybe third parties might be. And let's say you you know a player was playing on face it ESCA ESL whichever you know league cup game, they ban them. Everyone else follows suit. Obviously, okay, maybe you can play in majors from Riot, but you can't play in ninety percent of the online tournaments. So how useful yeah. are you to a team? Because it's kind of the inverse with i think counter-strike and like you know steel and people like that and you know, brex they could play all the third party tournaments but when it ever came to a major minor any of the big things yeah no. valve says no so it's like it, how much are you gonna just hinder your career just how fucking stupid do you have to even be to consider that you know what i mean like fucking hell we've seen brex literally like yeah. you know end of the rope steel you know love him or hate him the man you know did everything he could to get around this to try and find a way back in the scene do everything right nah yeah oh what shall i what shall i do let me let me give it a go it's like fuck that i don't, I don't yeah. care if you're not making enough money through the lower end of the scene fuck off don't don't do that shit you yep. who are you who are you gonna benefit you for a couple of grand well done mate like no that's that's bullshit Hit the nail on the head i can there kind of empathize to a degree with the situation that some pro players go into um, and just with the, in terms of financial pressures, though, like I, oh, I can, I can get a job. I don't agree with it. <laughs> no, I, no, I no, 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 no. You don't get to, you don't get the most, most, you don't get both worlds. You don't get to be, you know, up and coming and go through the grind, and then maybe you make it, maybe you don't. That's that's how it is. You don't go. Well, I'm hard done by. I, you know, I deserve better. If you deserve better, you play better. You maybe get a chance. You don't get gifted the right to make a living off of something so fucking awesome. You know what I mean? Like this is the 0.01% of people who get to make a living off this, who yeah. get to grind this hard. And you're sometimes you're shit out of luck. Like how many kids like, you know, hopes and dreams of becoming X, Y, and Z get stashed because simply put, I got to pay rent. Like welcome to growing up. Shit's hard. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I get yeah. it, but yeah. like- Ren was going to be an astronaut until his I, dreams fell. Until <laughs> Pansy put down my dreams just now. Yeah. Now I've got to go, now I've gotta go I, back I to working at Tesco. Unreal. The problem is, it fucking mars everything we do. Every yes, commentating no, okay. good thing we've done, it ruins it. Um, I hate it. I hate it. Okay, now I don't agree with I love it, that rant. Although it I seemed like that. I it That's seemed great. like I was about to say, well, I could see where he's coming from. But <laughs> what I can do is I can empathize kind of from the viewpoint of a pro player who wants to commit nothing but themselves fully to a game, maybe doesn't want to pick up a part-time job or something to pay rent because they want to commit everything to something. Um, well, and financially they're struggling in that regard and that's where proper support from riot comes in with actual prize money that kind of prevents this idea from cropping in people's heads in the first place but just gonna put it out there not saying it's cool don't fucking do it so there you go yeah i mean this is the same thing that we had in overwatch not match fixing but boosting was like yes people boosting was the a big lot thing. of tier two players a lot of tier two players would boost people on the side and get paid for that because well, the, the finances simply would boost yeah, and like Funny Astro as well. Uh, I mean, I'm, there's a lot of players in the league as well that haven't uh, 
how much value is garnered from being in like a higher like elo i actually don't know the kind of system of boosting it doesn't really exist in counter-strike because there's not much um you know credit given to being in a higher yeah. rank right like well, you, we, we you can't play in like... any third party things for overwatch there are no fpls and stuff like that so got it so this being... is your main yeah the ladder is is everything if you're a casual player if you're if you're not trying to become a, an actual pro and play in the tier two yeah. scene then yeah your, your worth is based on that and i think that that's maybe going to be a similar thing I, I i mean i know that it's a huge thing in league of legends boosting and, and being paid it's now illegal in korea as well and i think that it'll probably be the same in valorant because people will have the same kind of ties to their to their skill and their and their rank but i i, I don't know i feel like you really cross the line when you go from um you go from ruining a, a ranked game a ranked to game ruining too. a competitive yes. actual no there match. is a line drawn there and and also prison time, <laughs> you know. Yes. Like yeah. unless you're in Korea, it is quite literally prison time. There was uh, I I don't know if it was CS players, but in Australia recently, oh, there was a team that got, um, that got nicked because of match fixing. Yeah, um, there was a huge thing in cricket a while back, like an enormous scandal. Cricket. I think it was the, yeah, I, I think it was the Pakistani team, and I I had like cricket's such a boring sport that I had never even considered it. But they were they oh what the fuck were they doing? I think it was like. They were, oh, I don't even know the terminology. I'm going to look like such a, <laughs> an un-British person, but it was like they, they were balling a certain amount of overs. <laughs> I don't know fucking what they were doing. But they were like throwing the ball deliberately wide at certain points and betting on that and managing to collect. Rather than betting on the uh, the matches themselves, they were like fixing other kind of things. Sure. And yeah, I suppose the ethical line really is just you are robbing people of their money. That's the line, really. It's not that you're ruining matches; it's that you're robbing people of their money. Uh, I will. Uh, I'll shift this conversation along. I think we've been on it for quite some time. The yeah. uh, the upcoming but it had tournament. To be sad, Bren. It had to be sad. <laughs> you can't have to be, be a cock on the internet. Yeah. The uh, <laughs> the upcoming tournaments. There's only really one that has teams playing in it. Um, I believe that's really. But been this announced. one is so sick. The rise I, of the, know, what's um, it called? The rise of the something? Yeah, this is outside of the Ignition series, right? Because the Ignition yeah. series games are coming up, but this is I'm a personally very tournament. excited about this tournament. And rise you know, I'm biased because I am an Overwatch guy, but there is a ton of Overwatch talent on some of these teams. I, you know, for I, I, example, I feel no IDQD. loyalty to the Overwatch players. What? I feel no loyalty. I'm not saying I don't <laughs> want to see them succeed, but I just want to oh, see sorry, the best. Some of these compete. are my friends. Yeah, yeah. Brent doesn't have friends. He yeah, I feel no loyalty to him, Johnny. <laughs> I'm sorry your UK boys aren't doing too well in actual FPS games. But, you know, yeah. I think that some of these teams look quite interesting. I think IDQD is the one that stands out to some of us, of course, because it has Twig and Taimu. But they haven't been playing a ton of tournaments, haven't had that impressive results yet. So this feels like a bit of a, you know, last-ditch effort, maybe. Uh, then yeah. there's like Young and Beautiful, which is an Overwatch organization, has players like Brusson, so Donye, Manathan on it. Um, and also Manathan's Jim, playing on that who team. Who used to play for... Yeah. yeah. I coached Manathan. He used Manathan. to play a lot of CS. <laughs> God damn. What? That's why he never made it. <laughs> yeah, yeah is... I suppose. Yeah, this is going to be super about. interesting. I, 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 I wonder if yeah. Mausassa is playing in Team B7. Yeah. Wait, Mausassa is, is, is this just a This is just a fucking Overwatch tournament that they renamed Dude, and invited. Shadowburn is playing. No, he's not. Goa, Goa, Goa. Where? Look at Goa, Goa, Goa. Really? Is this because the Angry Titans is an Overwatch organization, so they invited their friends? Uh, have we just figured out that this? 
This is just there, there it is. Oh yeah, Shatterburn. Shatterburn. Rubicon, Sharik and Forsaken. Yep. Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay, no, this tournament's a joke. <laughs> no, it's well, not a also, joke. Also, we have to talk about the format. It's a round of thirty-two bracket, sim singular in best oh of one. God. Oh, there's there's God. upset potential here though. All right, oh. let's let's we're gonna wrap up this podcast pretty soon. We got like one more segment after this, but I, I want everybody to go around and give a hot take in terms of a team that they might expect to do well in this tournament. We'll start with you, Johnny. Fabrikian, you know, Swedish bias. I think that oh, yeah. Sipan has done really well uh, after yep. he departed from the Ninjas in pajamas and he really started fragging out on the squad. So uh, a couple of Overwatch players on there too. And, you know, I am biased because I'm an Overwatch guy, but I'm looking out for this team to become pro probably the best Swedish team in the mix, even though Dream Chasers is right there as well. Who else? Barbar on it, actually, who used to Barbar. be an old opera, uh, I think, late in 1.6. Mm -hmm. Maybe start of CSGO. So, yeah. um, you know, I got my eye on some of these Swedish boys. What about you, Pansy? Um, NIP hopefully have a good turnout. I'd like to see the Party Parrots do well, the CIS roster. They've got Angel on there. Pretty good yeah. uh, old school player. Fish123, I mean, who are they fielding for this? <laughs> but I would like to see Taimu do well. I mean, I remember him from before, like Overwatch days, playing you know, games like Dirty Bomb. And, you know, I got to cast him. Oh, talk Dirty to him a little Bomb. Bit. Oh, and, uh, what, a and uh, what a game um Oof. and i got to talk to him again and it's nice catching up and i think it's it's gonna be interesting to see how he applies his style to this game because it's very non-counter-strike and he was close to making it work he's, he's incredible aim his operator approach is not cs style by any means so i'll be really fun it just just as purely like an experiment style of thing yeah, i don't yeah. think they'll necessarily win it but i really want to see where he's at because i saw him what, a couple of weeks ago now I want to see how he's kind of melded into it and if he can kind of rekindle that. But I mean, if Prodigy actually fields a full roster, they're going to win the whole thing. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I'm interested to see what happens with Prodigy because, they, I mean, they are the team that's been invited, not G2, but Mixwell's always played for Prodigy in the past. And as far as I know, like, Prodigy isn't a team. It's like a fucking agency. So I don't even, I don't even really understand what is going to happen and who they're going to field. But uh, I'm, I've got my eye on either Prodigy if they actually do end up fielding some quasi-G2 team under a different name. Or Fish123 if they end up playing with a proper fifth. If they if they play with Scream again, okay. It'll be interesting to see if they can actually manage to put up decent results. Or, or rather, avoid being upsetted because that's that's the, the goal in this tournament. Um, but I'm more interested to see like who that fifth would be. For me, my eyes are really on... Um, started from CS a little bit because they look like... I mean, they've obviously got huge names in them from CS... Uh, the the French guys of his existence, Happy and Maniac, uh, primarily, um, and they looked like they were not going to be amazing to start off, and then they actually did really well recently. They beat out, I think it was like Party Parrots and who the fuck else was in that group? Royals, maybe somebody like that. I, I can't exactly remember, but uh, started from CS, beat out some some pretty decent teams, and so I'm I'm excited to see if they can have uh some kind of competition with the other like xcs prodigy guys mm -hmm. and maybe raise the entire level of the the european scene because if they really start getting going then i i can see some great rivalries that are already there also dream chasers as pansy was talking about before they've been quietly a pretty decent team so i could see them making a bit of a run all right the one team that i think people have really been forgetting and i think it's largely because they're just french and I've got a pretty strained relationship with the French, but I do want to point them out anyways, is Hips Team, <laughs> Hip Hip Hip. Yeah. They, they've had 
middling success, I think, in some tournaments. Uh, most notably when they were in the middle of that the Fran drama when the Fran said he was going to fuck Hip's mum or something uh, yeah. because they weren't playing on time. Uh, that's a long yeah. time ago now. Reasonable but, things. Yeah, very which, reasonable you know. thing to say. Um, but th it's a team that uh, I at least want to succeed see or see succeed, and I think that they could sneak by, especially when you're in this round of 13 best of one bracket. It's yeah, actually but... anything could happen. <laughs> it's These yeah. kind of tournament structures are wacky. You never know what teams are going to be ended up yeah. finalizing. They're the, the first end. team to take a best of three off Fish 1-2-3. Even after Fish 1-2-3 lost artists they've still won best of threes because they were playing against not the other top teams so mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think i think hip hip, hip can uh can maybe make something work they've got some decent players on that team yeah i want to mention um i was Laws, really impressed by kriya kriya yeah Laws yeah good sage. but also yeah, kriya's kriya on the uh, omen. omen i was pretty impressed by that because they played pretty uh proactively with this paranoid and that was pretty interesting to see and so then they played this triple duelist composition where they utilized the omen smokes so pretty impressed by kriya so far yeah all right, let's move yeah, on to the play of the week, which is apparently we're trying to make a, a segment, uh, a sponsored segment, presumably. Sponsor money. Josh, you picked there out you this go. play, didn't you? I did pick out this play, but yeah. I feel like it was a really obvious one. Like, oh, Bren's so player of the week on Plat Chat is very just whatever the fuck happens to go through is he just coaches, <laughs> fever addled mind at any point. <laughs> but I've I've actually been trying to pick some decent plays because this I, is I a decent play. Quite cool. The, and also highlights one of my main issues with the map ascent. But yeah, let's let's let this play. This is Sub Rose's. Oh, was it an ace? Yeah. This thing was yeah, nice it was fire. Yeah. It was Sub Rose's pistol ace against Immortals. So when huge. Immortals walk down, he's going to spot all of them right now. One, just, two, three. It's just oh, filth. It's yeah. actually filth. How did he get there before they could see? Uh, they were pressuring were A with all five on the yeah. pistol, and they got pushed back, and he'd already taken the hold of mid. It's almost like Immortals don't default. Yeah, it, it right? was, it, it, it's not a great start, but it was a, a very impressive beginning, and it absolutely boomed Immortals for the rest of the yeah. match, actually. Yeah. They, I, they crumbled after that. That's what I mean. This is the trouble with Immortals. They're a team that crumble easily. They're all green, yeah. aren't they, really? But uh, the the therapeutic Brennan Hook. Yeah, I like to I like <laughs> to talk on the mental state of teams when I have no idea what the mental state actually is. And coaching teams, that's staff. my thing. Um, but yeah, and also <laughs> highlights one of my problems with Ascent is that there's so many, so many corners to check if you're trying to put take control of me. You know, no, 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 no. Do you know what's really easy? Just hold a default so they can't get to any of those corners. There's like That's three true. ways you can stare at middle from the attacking side. They opted for zero, and you can see where the issue <laughs> began with that. Um, you can literally Fancy watch the cross from the other approach. side. No, I just, I, I hate that. It's like, honestly, the clip was excellent. The shots would be like crisp. Like that's, that's prime Sabrosa, just like super yeah. ratty, yeah. like finds his dirty little angle, just hunkers down. He's, he's happy. But it's like, if you just defaulted, it, it, it wouldn't happen. Wouldn't Hold have mid. happened. Because like, you've got, yeah. You can, Instead of... <laughs> you can lean into it. Like if they could have fallen back to this, what time's on that? You don't know. Like how late did they leave this This hit? is really like, early in the round. Exactly. So like, why, why are you just like heavy leaning and then peeling back to it? Like, what do you think is going to happen? You think a CS team's not going to go for some sort of, you know, defensive sided aggression? Like this is, yeah. stop it, Immortals. Come on, boys. Yeah. Like, I want to see them do well. I said, Immortals, I think, are coming in with these, like, nice ideas of, like, what we think can work in um, in kind of FPS games. But there's a reason the fundamentals work really well from Counter-Strike. And you know learn the fundamentals and build on that. Give me something new after you've, like, locked down those fundamental pieces that, you know, obviously make a T-side work easy. Like, give me that, and then I'll be 
super impressed all right well that's gonna do it go. i guess uh now golden boy's been trying to give me some tips on how to close out the podcast because i oh, Lord really? knows i need them yeah because every time I, I don't really know how to close it out that much Pants is the straw the uh the what what, what did he say to do follow and subscribe the the channel i don't know if that works but you've got to subscribe you've got to comment as well you, you can't fo there's follow no fo out. there's no follow function <laughs> in youtube. On youtube what the fuck are you talking about I don't follow the video edit, 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 edit. <laughs> No. <laughs>